0: This is the Liberty Hour, where these important issues will be discussed for the sake of America's future. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Constitution in the other, here's your host, Sean Thompson.
2: Hello and welcome to the Liberty Hour. I am your host, Charles Love. Macbeth, where are my cigar and my other thing
1: they mentioned? You know, that's a very good question. I'm also waiting for these things.
2: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, welcome. I'm going to have a great show. I say this all the time because it's true. You all, these people are amazing. Not that I'm not, but the people I invite on are more amazing than me. So you all should come check it out. Go tell a friend right now. I'll wait a moment. So those of you who listen on a regular know that I spend a lot of time talking about education. You know, I am the assistant executive director of Seeking Educational Excellence, trying to help move people through opportunity and better lives in education, through this maze that uh, they have to go through in public school and the madness that goes on there. And, you know, I'm just but a small fry in this uh, big situation and there's many people who've been fighting longer and better than me. And I also often say that education is the hill that Republicans should be willing to die on. We haven't got them there yet, but uh, I want to bring on someone who's an authority on education and someone who definitely knows what the fight is about. She is the founder of For Kids and Country and author of Standing Up to Goliath, battling state and national teachers' unions for the heart and soul of our kids and country. Former school teacher, and we liberty lovers know her as the lead plaintiff in the Supreme Court case, Friedrich versus CTA. I'd like to welcome Rebecca Friedrichs to the Liberty Hour. Rebecca, well, thanks it's for great joining to be
3: me. Here, yeah, hey, it's great
2: to be here. Thanks for having me, Charles. Well, it's great. I'm glad to have you as well. And you know, when I reached out to you and talked to you, and I thought it would be cool because education is what I like to talk about, and you have a lot of things you can bring to the table. I didn't know a little secret that was going on that, <laughs> that I have to start with. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't know if you all, most of you, more so than me, probably watched the uh, both the DNC and RNC. And, and I got a confession to make. I don't really watch conventions because, you know, you know, it's a. we know who they're talking to. You kind of know what you're going to hear. There are some interesting stories. If I do watch a speech, it's usually the non-politicians because I don't want to hear a lot of politicians talk. So I was sitting, scrolling through the Internet, and I think it was Kira Davis who tweeted out that she was so excited because this awesome person was speaking. She said, well, we love her, and I mean that. And I look up to the TV, and you're speaking. I did not know you were going to be speaking at the RNC, so I guess I want to start out to finding out you know, how that came about and uh, what, what the feedback was and what that was like.
3: Yeah, well, that was pretty exciting. I didn't even know I was going to be speaking until about a week ago. So um, very exciting, such an honor, and um, I'm just so grateful that I was able to get the truth out to a much larger audience because so many parents are voting against their values and against their own children because they're voting for Democrats that are controlled by these teachers unions and you know, these teachers unions are behind all the nasty stuff we see in our culture right now the um, you know just all of it you name it they're behind it and our name it and coming up
4: <laughs>
1: right
3: yeah. well and, and I mean people don't realize that so mm-hmm. I was so grateful to be able to address, so many wonderful Americans out there who are, who are every day, why are our schools such a mess? How come I don't have school choice? How come this? How come that? And they don't realize it's because of Democrats controlled by teachers unions. And, and, they, and they don't realize that most teachers are terrified of these unions, don't like these unions, but don't have a voice. And so it's able to be the voice of teachers. Parents and wonderful kids, and it, it was just an honor and I'm still pinching myself over it.
2: <laughs> that's really awesome. You, you mentioned two points I want to get back to, but I guess we got to close this RNC out uh, because of the madness that's been going on, and we saw what happened to some others after after they left. So did you have any issues going in and out of the uh, convention?
3: Well, um, because of the COVID social distancing, they actually tape recorded. Us ahead of time and they mm-hmm. did it so, one person at a time and they kept us very safe lots of mm-hmm. security so i was actually tape recorded during the day on monday so oh, i didn't okay. have to be out and about at nighttime so um but those riots you saw break out broke out in front of the hotel i was in and um we could we were up on the ninth floor and we were looking down watching this chaos mm-hmm. and we you know what what really bothers me is we watched them bust them in earlier in the evening, as soon as things were set up on the White House lawn on Thursday night and the president's event was going to start, they bust these people in. And, and it wasn't a normal bus like you and I would think of. It was like an open it was the size of a bus. But it was like an open truck with wooden slats like they were hauling cattle or something. <laughs> and they had all these people. I'm not kidding. Like They didn't even treat these people like humans. They just had them stuffed in. And they drove up and they start jumping out with bicycles and basketballs and Screaming and blaring loud music 100% they just wanted to drown out the president and drown out the event it was no peaceful protest it was just nasty and so we viewed it all we got to see it but we weren't down in the middle of it thank god we were we were safe up in yeah. our room
2: that is good <clears throat> now in your speech you said that unions undermine educa- educational excellence uh, as you know it okay and you say that um, so, you say they undermine ed- educational excellence, is what I'm saying. What do you think the union's end game is? What are they trying to get from this?
3: Well, I, said, I talked about that in my speech, actually. Their end game is they don't want us to be a free republic anymore. And our um, founders made it very clear from the beginning of this country that the only way you can keep a free republic is with a well educated, moral citizenry that can self govern. And so what the unions, and they're Marxists, and what they and their friends are trying to do is undermine our free republic. So how do you do that? You have to undermine education. So they've dumbed it down on purpose over Mm -hmm. many years, as we can all clearly see. And um, they're using our schools as indoctrination centers. We can all see that now. I've seen this my entire career, but people now believe me because you can see it out in the open. And they uh, have removed our morality Our school, when our schools first started in America, the Bible was our first textbook. And every textbook that was made after that, like McGuffey Reader um, and other uh, little textbooks, all of them were loaded with scripture from the Holy Bible and patriotism and prayers. And just really because all the things that are bad now. Exactly. (laughs) And it's things that teach children to be kind, to put Mm -hmm. others first. Not to steal, to honor your mother and your father. So no, they weren't teaching religion; they were teaching moral moral values. Values. Mm-hmm. So right. So the unions and their buddies, when they infiltrated our schools, it's been a good, you know, sixty, seventy years ago. The first thing they did was work to remove those things. So they already removed the Bible. They removed the the um, prayers. They removed the Ten Commandments. They tried to move the, remove the Pledge of Allegiance, but they, you know, they succeeded removing under God for a while, but then it came back. Anyway, they have been trying so hard to remove morality and educational excellence so that they can undermine our free republic. That's exactly what they want. They want an authoritarian socialist country. And that's why we have to fight and why we have to fight hard.
2: Well, the thing, I mean, as bad as that is, obviously... It's worse than just being, you know, uh, incompetent and things of that nature. It's, it's orchestrated. It's deliberate and it's so negative. But the good thing you would think yeah. would be that it's so obvious that every, everyone would see it. And a lot of things that you and I both fight for is that we, when, when asked, what are you doing? How do you get the information out? You, it's, it's always the teachers who don't all necessarily believe it, but they're fighting up uh, an uphill battle and the parents don't know. But it's so glaringly obvious. It makes you wonder, how can they not know?
3: Yeah, well, you know what? That's why, Charles, right now, ever since COVID hit, in fact, the day that we discovered that the schools were going to be closed during COVID, I'm probably the only person who said, thank you, God, for rescuing <laughs> the children from the schools. Now, I, I feel terrible for anyone who's been negatively impacted or has lost a job or who can't pay their bills. That's awful. Uh, but the fact that the children and the teachers have been rescued from the schools, I mean, our schoolhouses have been on fire for a long time, and the kids and the teachers have been inside, and nobody was doing anything. So COVID came along, and what happened was all of a sudden parents got a view about what was going on in school. Mm-hmm. Parents were home. It's like they, one of my friends was saying it's like during the Passover when God said to the children of Israel, go inside. And, and they, had to, they, had to, they just had to be quiet while he passed over, right? And that's what we're going through right now. It's like we needed a time to be quiet and for parents to stop sitting around in circles and to be able to see the crazy stuff their kids are learning through our schools. And teachers needed the same thing because so many teachers are still great teachers, but they're in a corrupt system. So they don't realize how corrupt it is.
2: Well, we're coming up to our first break. I want I want to follow up on that when we come back and talk about how we can strike while the irons are hot and do something about that. You're listening to The Liberty Hour on AM560, The Answer. This is The Liberty Hour.
0: Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on AM560, The Answer.
2: Everybody knows that today's... Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Everybody Charles Love here. And we are talking to education clouds. advocate, author and founder of For Kids and Country, Rebecca Friedrichs. And when we left, we were talking about um, the teachers and the uh, you know unintended consequences of kids being home. And you were going to tell us you know, how we take advantage of the idiotic blackmail by the teachers union we're, we're suffering from right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it is blackmail. That's exactly what it is. They're blackmailing the entire country using our kids as pawns saying we're not going to open your schools until you defund the police and give every Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. And, I mean they they have this, you know, this uh, Marxist playbook that they want us to agree to in order to educate our kids. So don't, I say, Don't lose your place. Say, I'll even
2: uh, remind you. I'll even remind you. But do you know as you know, I'm in New York, right? So the governor and the city and the mayor have been bragging about how we're the only big city in the country that's going to actually open. Right. We're going to do this thing. And then the teachers came out and they came out with a list of like 55 things that we're not coming back. And we may strike unless we get these 55 things. That was about a week and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Well, yesterday they they Uh added on top of that. Yesterday they added on top of the 55 things not to replace it. On top of that, we need everybody to be tested. And we mean when we say everybody, we don't just mean the people in the school and, and the kids. We mean all the parents, too.
3: Is ridiculous! So, so this is this is communism, right? This is how communists work.
2: If it's right? not, it's, you, if it's you, not, you it's you not it's a trial us. run.
3: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and so it, it's just insane. And those fifty-five demands. This is a, uh, a concerted effort among these teachers' unions, uh, and it, it's frightening. And you know what? I'm mean, going one question: Whoever said labor unions were supposed to run our schools? Mm-hmm. I thought parents and teachers were supposed to run our schools. So you ask me, you know, how can we use this time to, uh, to our advantage or to do what's right for kids? It, my personal, I have been pushing for years. We need to get these labor unions out of our schools, period, because they're destroying us. They're destroying our country from the inside out and in our schools, and they are damaging our children. And I'll share a couple things if I have the time mm-hmm. uh, with your audience. They will be shocked at what these labor unions are doing to our kids. They'll want them out, too. So um, the other thing I think we can, can do during this time is help people to understand that the only reason that their kids have been trapped in these low-performing and often dangerous schools is because labor unions, along with Democrats, have spent, uh, the, the unions are the ones spending the huge money, hundreds of millions of dollars a year to defeat charter schools and school choice, the very schools we all love. So why do they want to defeat them? Because they're not unionized. The union wants their cut. And because they can't control those schools with their agenda. So it's a, it's a perfect time for people to wake up. There was a poll recently where 78% of parents said they, they or actually Americans, that they support educational freedom. Of course they do. It makes sense. Everyone should have freedom. So it's a good time to push for all of that.
2: Well, let's get into the things that they're doing. Because like you say, we don't have a lot of time and people need to understand the ugliness. Uh, I can run through them. Yes, they do. Uh, your article, let's talk about the Healthy Teen Network.
3: Ah, that's the one I have right on my computer screen <laughs> I want to talk about. So, yes, I wrote an article for, I think that was in the Washington Times, and it was talking about how our schools are literally grooming your children for sexual predators like uh, Jeffrey Epstein. That is factual, and um, so there's this, what the, what the unions and their friends do is they use uh, double talk. So they'll use the word healthy, which means something to all of us. We all think healthy, that's good. Well, it's good to us, but anytime you see healthy in, in their language, it means this triple triple X sex set, this uh, 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 just horrific sex set. So let me tell you what's on the Healthy Team Network right now. It's called Five Tips for Your Sexual Health During COVID-19. This is a lesson for children taught by supposed expert Ella hall she is a recent graduate in, uh, um, oh, I can't remember, environment or something. She, she's, she's not any kind of a sex expert. Mm-hmm. Here's what she's telling your kids to do, okay? Any age kid can access this online, by the way, on a not secure network. So I don't know if they're gathering your kid's name or what. But her five tips for your kids, Number tip number one, you should be sexting. She tells kids that women were four times more likely uh, to say they felt empowered by sexting, she leads them to links where they can find 54 ideas on how to sex. I followed that link. I was shocked. They even had um, handcuffs on there. And they were talking. It up. I, I just can't even I don't think I can say it on air. The second <laughs> thing she's telling our, I'm, I'm not kidding you, parents need to go. It's healthyteennetwork.org slash blog slash sexual-health-covid-19 slash, but I think if they just type in five tips for your sexual health during COVID-19, they'll find it. Okay, tip number two, you should be doing solo sex. What's that? That's masturbation. Then she says, you don't know how to do it? Follow this link. I'll teach you how. Number three, she says to our kids that they should be looking at pornography. Pornography. Mm-hmm. And she asks them, "Oh, are you interested in watching it? Check out, check this, check out this video. Follow this uh, liter- porn literacy toolkit I'm providing for you." She's sending them to these other websites too, by the way. Then number four is date yourself, and number five is go online and talk to social media sex experts who will teach you, quote, how to use sex toys, tips for dirty talk, and then she gives them five, uh, four or five different sex experts that they can. Click on and go directly to their pages. We followed a couple of them. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable! I can These imagine. people should be arrested. These they should be arrested.
2: One more curriculum. On, can you give us about a minute and a half on curriculum?
3: Uh, the curriculum they're pushing right now is the Black Lives Matter curriculum. Oh which yeah. Also pushed. Yeah, it pushes this sex ed big time. The Black Lives Matter. It, it's also pushing Marxism. Um, They're telling our, our, our teachers that they, I've heard from many teachers who say, I'm being told I have to teach this black lives matter. I'm not teaching this. This isn't, it has nothing to do with black lives. It has everything to do with pushing a Marxist agenda, a sexualized agenda, and purposely disintegrating the family. They even think that's what they're trying to do. It's frightening. It's dangerous. They're indoctrinating our children. Like I said, the schoolhouse is on fire. It's time to get the kids out.
2: Now, I want to preface this by saying I don't mean to be negative. I'm hoping it, but it's truthful, and I'm hoping I can use this to fire people up. You're 100% right about the unions. Obviously, you know that. I learned a lot of it from you. But, you know, I I just got to be truthful. And I say, even if we win that fight in most of the big cities, you know, and, you know, you got these leftist unions. Let's say we get them out of the school and, you know, we don't have to worry about this. We win the school choice battle. That's the big thing on the right. They always talk about school choice. They don't talk about all the other problems, school choice, not realizing that the private schools are becoming just as bad as the other ones. So we win all that. Yep. But at the end of the day, we're going to be stuck with the same politicians and the same administrators still pushing the policies. So oh, everything And since the country's moving to the left. If we don't win that fight. Right. Where will we be? What do we do at that point when we yeah. have these same same administrators like like in Tennessee? I'm sure you heard where they said remote learning, but they tried to get the parents to re- sign a waiver to uh, not watch what yep. the teacher was doing. But that came from the administration. I didn't come yep. from the union. Yep. So, you know, yep. even though those are uphill battles, we still don't win when we get to the top.
3: Well, let me tell you this, though, Charles. The reason the administrators are corrupt is because the teachers unions control all the school boards and school boards. The only people that can hire or fire a superintendent is a school board. So when you have a corrupt school board, you have a corrupt administration. So I'm telling you, the root is getting these unions out. And it's all the government unions there, or I should say most, are so corrupt now and involved in this same thing. And they're, they're collecting billions and billions a year tax-free. So we really, I mean, my goal is these, I don't think government unions should be allowed to exist. We never should have had them in our government. It's corrupt. If we can get them out, then we fix all these other problems because, like you said, the parents don't want it. Why does it keep happening if the parents don't want it? It's because of the corruption and all the money being poured into the politics. If we could get that out, we could clean things up.
2: Wow. It's a big if, but it's the right direction. It's what we need. And and you're right about that. You talk about that in the same way. I yell about the culture when the people talk about Democrat, Republican, this, that, let's vote for this person. None of that matters if we don't stop the culture from shifting to the left. And I say the best way yep. to do that is education, right? Because if these yep. people who yep. are out there throwing bottles, new factual historical information, they would be yep. less likely to be out there saying, I'm oppressed or I can't get a job at this center. It all starts there. And, and to yes. fix that, you're right about the unions. I really appreciate it. This is, uh, we can go on for hours. This is uh, Rebecca Friedrich I'm speaking with, founder of 4Kids and Country. Tell everybody where they can find you.
3: They can find me at Kids and It's f o r kidsandcountryorg
2: but you, but you, your on your Twitter handle is for the number four kids and country.
3: The numeral four. Yes. 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 The, on Twitter, the numeral four kids and country. Yeah. Thank
2: Websites f o r. Well, I appreciate you. I hope everybody learned a lot. I uh, hope to have you back soon. Talk education again, and uh, thank you it. very much. Thank
3: you, Charles. Have a great one.
2: Have a good one. Coming back on the other side, we'll have Wilford Riley, professor at Kentucky State University, to talk about the culture. You're listening to The Liberty Hour on AM560, The Answer.
0: Now, back to The Liberty Hour. Call Sean now at
2: 312-642-5600. Welcome back to The Liberty Hour. Charles Love here. And... After talking about education, I want to talk about another very important uh, topic. It's uh, the dangerous and crazy things we have going on in the culture. And since I am just in a conduit and I need a, you know people who are savvier than me and have a better grasp of what's going on and possibly how to fix the issues, I, I bring on the pros. And uh, here with me I have a political science professor at Kentucky State University, scholar at 1776 Unites, and author of books, Hate Crime, Hoax, and Taboo, 10 Facts You Can't Talk About. He is Professor Wilford Riley. Will, welcome to the Liberty Hour.
4: Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here.
2: Now, I want to tell people where to follow you. You're like me. You don't make it easy. So you're at W-I-L underscore D-A underscore Beast 630, right?
4: Uh, yeah, it, it makes a little more sense read together. I'm Will, right. will the Beast 630. That's a shout out to a joking rap name and to a, you know, my old jersey number and zip code. Okay. I'm from Aurora, <laughs> Illinois, 630.
2: That's still a lot of work.
4: <laughs> will DeBeast?
2: the Beast? Uh, no, the, under, the underscore will probably do it, though. But I'm I with think
4: you. actual Will the Beast, just the word, was taken probably oh. by a zoological oh, page what it or was? something like that. <laughs> African animals.
2: So I think we're going to spend – we're here two segments, but we're not going to split it 50-50. We're going to spend most of the time talking about what's going on. But I want to start off by getting your take on um, the DNC and the RNC.
4: Well, I mean, my my first take is that the elephant in the room, no pun intended for the RNC, but was COVID-19. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that if we had watched either of them in a standard year, I mean, they would have been completely panned by everyone in powerhouse media. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about the DNC put up a couple things like the Billy Porter clip that looked, frankly, like bad YouTube videos, <laughs> someone that does a lot of media. Right. And the reason for this is that you simply can't ethically pack a convention hall you know, seats one foot apart with the usual people that are drinking and waving the state banners and so on. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there were a lot of flops as a result of that. Like, one thing I will say, people were roasting a Guilfoyle speech where she screamed, the best is yet to come. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have gone over well in an in arena. An arena. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, but in a normal setting where you've got thirty, forty thousand 40,000 people. I mean, you're standing up there in front of the full delegation from Arkansas or California. That would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, many of the speeches on both sides hit flubs like that, because of, you know, the invisible presence of COVID. So, I mean, I think that's the main takeaway. Um, other than that, I think that both both had their moments. Uh, Biden looked alive, which is essentially all he a had to do. is a win. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Biden's, Biden and Trump have been doing some sparring back and forth, and Trump has been saying, not always unfairly, that Biden looks like he's, he's definitely showing his years. He might not make it to debate. I mean, some darts have been thrown. And Joe Biden stood up and looked like an old but competent politician that gave an okay speech. And mm-hmm. as I expected, the media, which leans left, universally praised that as you know, wonderful, glorious. Um, I thought the RNC overall went rather better. And some of that was because of the refusal of the Democrats to talk about fairly big issues in society. I mean, there have been massive riots in the streets for three months.
2: So um, you say people, they say they haven't been. <laughs>
4: well, I mean, you yeah, who are you gonna believe? After <laughs> your own lion, your mark lion one eyes. eyeballs kind of thing. <laughs> but no, I mean I'm I'm actually pretty good casual friends with some of the gonzo journalists like Andy No, and I mean yeah. You know, obviously they are going to go where the conflict is. So I'm sure two thirds of Portland's fairly peaceful. Right. But there are, there are hundreds of hours of uploaded video. You can just go on Twitter or YouTube and watch of you know left and right literally fighting in the street with shields and swords, or of mm-hmm. you know the largest target in Minneapolis being looted and burned to the ground. The right. black business district in that city, Lake Street District. So no, I mean, as someone who's from the Midwest and who's known black businessmen from Lake Street, I mean the, the riots aren't an illusion. There are 30 people who have been killed so far. So So I think that totally ignoring this massive ethnic conflict in the country, and for that matter, not really saying much other than a national mask mandate in terms of what they do about COVID, the Democrats didn't really tackle the issues of the day at all. They basically just presented themselves as not Trump. And since the Republicans got to present themselves as Trump, I think theirs went a little better. But Mm -hmm. again, I mean, you saw viewership for both down, whatever it was, 26%, and that's because you can't be there in person. You can't politic in the normal sense.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, you know, you got to got to shift to Kenosha. I think you get a bit of, about a minute and then we'll finish on the other side. So you can give me your initial thought, high level thoughts, whether it be just about the shooting, the reaction or both or whatever. And then we'll finish on the other side.
4: I mean, I think that the media, a present company accepted, of course, <laughs> is absolutely liable for a lot of what we're seeing out there in the streets. I mean, what we see and the right media, which can sometimes, you know, demonize ethnic crime and so on, actually has been pretty good on this. But what you're seeing from the mainstream center left media is the consistent presentation of these hot takes like Jacob Blake was murdered. I mean, article headlines saying shot seven times in the back for no reason. That was my by big the time point. that story. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Th- but by the time that story collapses, as it inevitably will. There may be some flawed cops. There may be some racist cops. They're not executing people at random on the way to church. By the time that happens, you're already seeing the fighting in the streets. And again, either one group looting or two groups shooting at each other. And that's caused to a large extent by the coverage of this stuff. So that's my first take on Kenosha. Beyond that, obviously, I mean, I lean at least center right myself. You know that. And I I feel that there must be order. I mean, like when you saw that large Unitarian Church, heavily black congregation, by the way, <laughs> with the sign in front that said Black Lives Matter on fire, that's not something that you expect to see in American cities. And I think it's the job of a leader, literally, and of their fighting men and women to stop that.
2: Wow. That's a perfect place to end. We'll, we'll go to break and come back, and we will just open this up a little more. You're listening to the Liberty Hour. We're talking to Professor Will Riley. Back in a moment.
0: You're listening to The Liberty Hour with Sean Thompson. Get on the line with Sean by calling 312-642-5600.
2: Welcome back to The Liberty Hour. Charles here. Charles loved talking to Wilfred Riley, author of Taboo and Kentucky State University Poli Sci professor. And we were talking about uh, Kenosha. And I want to say that... I read a lot of your stuff and see you on uh, news stories. And I'm like, man, that's like me, but smarter. So a lot of times it's funny talking to you, though, because I'm like, I'm asking when we talk it's cool. But when I ask you a question, I'm like, I know what this answer is going to be. But people need to hear it. I got to look at it that way. So when you see not just this one, but these series, so you 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 put them next to each other. So the other side is saying their argument is it's bad. Whenever someone gets shot, of course, but it's really bad. And we're out here, but it's because we keep seeing the same thing over and over again. This keeps happening. And then the common sense says we look at it and, and what, what I basically just say, it's wash, rinse, repeat, right? So it all starts the same. It's a shooting. It's an immediate reaction. It's the media, like you said, saying this happened. And then everybody's, I can't believe that happened. Let's do this. Let's ignore the fact that they're doing this. And then we find out, and then they, and as part of it is, I get, Police are trying to do policing the way they used to now, but they didn't have computers in your pocket, right? So you can't just say, we're going to hold everything close to our vest forever and then let something drip. So then a month later, you get more information. And then after the city's burned down, you found out, well, that person was actually, you know, shooting a Tommy gun at the cop at the time. It's just crazy. And I say that because you mentioned the seven shots. And the first thing I saw when I said that is it's almost like when people say in Chicago, you're from the Midwest, Chicago, actually. So, you know, the the shootings in Chicago. So it was just I would look at it when people say, well, you know, you know, 62 people got shot, three died. ma'am, three people got killed. Well, how about the number of people that got shot? But for advanced medicine and luck, those people could be dead, too. Well, this is like the opposite. They count the the shoot, the number of of shots fired, not the times he's been hit. So even till today, I, I can Google now and it still says he was shot in the back seven times.
4: Well, oh, that's, that's interesting. So you're saying he wasn't shot seven times?
2: No, the last, I finally saw a report that said he got hit three times, but it hasn't been confirmed. So I won't that's say absolutely how many times. fascinating. But I, okay. I won't say how many times. But the thing is, from the beginning, I'm like, I find it hard to believe. Adrenaline is going to make you keep shooting. I believe it. But I find it, I, I get... Because it's so close, everyone assumed he got hit seven times. I'm like, if he got hit seven times, I'm thinking he's dead. I don't think he got hit seven. But that's just been a narrative from the beginning. So, And and then when I say that to somebody, they say, well, we'll we'll find out, right? And they say it out angrily. I'm like, yes, but can't we wait till we find out before we announce it?
4: Okay, so I I think that's an excellent example, Charles. I I didn't know that myself. I think that's an excellent example of how facts are presented in the media without any context. So when you hear shot seven times in the back, that sounds terrible. That sounds like the execution of this brother. That sounds like a murder. Mm -hmm. If you say they had police clips in that contain at least 11 rounds Mm -hmm. and one cop not both fired seven rounds and the guy was hit two or three times, which often isn't enough to take a large guy down, Mm -hmm. that is a completely different, more nuanced understanding of that situation. And in one sentence, I think the media needs to go with number two instead of number one. Right. If you're a reporter, that that's the solution to this problem. But, but why not just say, you're say a the whole thing, spokesman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you're a reporter and you have this information. It's not like you have to do magic. It's not like you have to give up the scoop for a week. All you have to do is say seven shots were fired out of 11 possible. The victim was struck twice. Right. As opposed to these hysterical headlines, you know, shot eight times in the back. Right. And that alone would probably stop 60-70% of this violence.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, hmm at the very least. So wanna... say I'm not sure. Okay. We we know that we know that the officer fired seven times. We are unsure how many times it was hit. They don't even go that to that nice nuanced level of we're unsure. They say shot seven times. Right? He uh-huh. fifty cent. Right? I mean, sure. It just makes no sense. And that's where you go with it exactly. And they do that with everything. They do it with um Yeah, they did it with uh what's his name? Um, you know, with the uh Who's was the other shooting? I'm t- thinking of the last uh, the, um God, I can't Richard remember the guy Brooks, I'm thinking of. Maybe? Yeah, there you go. That's his name in Atlanta at the Wendy's. The, I had people saying they should have just let him walk it off. So uh, it, it's we we we've gotten to a place now where policing is is being done by people watching it on TV, and they're dictating what the police practices are, regardless of what the police should be doing in those situations. But I want to get to some other comments. So you know the athletes. So you got LeBron and you got Doc Rivers, and of course, both of them went to extreme in their comments, and they both really bothered me. I mean, a lot of this stuff doesn't really bother me. I'm used to it, but I was really bothered by both, probably more Doc Rivers than LeBron, because he's not generally as hysterical, and we've heard LeBron before. So LeBron, as you know, said, we're all terrified. All black people, kids, women were all yeah. terrified, which is silly. But then Doc Rivers, I don't know if you heard, saw, heard this whole clip, but Doc Rivers said that why should we? What, what do you mean the police are scared? We're the ones da 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 da. We're the ones being hung. We're the ones that have communities we can't live in. And I'm like, where do you think Doc Rivers and LeBron James lives?
4: Yeah, I mean, so that there's a whole lot there. I mean, first of all, yeah, you're right. LeBron James obviously doesn't live in the hood. First, LeBron James is a six nine multi millionaire. I mean, you know that, that's LeBron James isn't really scared of anybody on a day to day basis. But there, there are two things I want to say here, and they all really combine into one. Athletes have a perfect right to speak. There's a long, honorable tradition, going back to Muhammad Ali, of athletes, in particular black athletes, speaking out about social issues. You know, I'm a black guy, was an athlete in my day, that's great. But when athletes talk, we need to recognize they don't know any more about social issues than your plumber does. (laughs) These are guys that their job is playing some ball. Uh, they might have some training in coaching as well. They might have some training in kinesiology as well. They don't have any training at all in criminal justice, political science, law, the media. These are, You and I are in two of those fields. These are things people go to good schools for for five, six, seven years. So when LeBron James talks about police shooting numbers, LeBron James knows as much about police shootings as the guys I was hooping with earlier today in downtown Frankfurt. Like he is a young male athlete that doesn't professionally study this topic. So if you actually want to break down those numbers, I mean, we we talked about this earlier, I think. But the total number of unarmed Black people shot by police last year was 14. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if if you think they might be using a sketchy definition of Black or of unarmed, I mean, the total number of people shot by cops out of 350 million was around a thousand Thousand. only Mm -hmm. slightly more than 200 of those were black to put that in context, 89 people were killed by bees, wasps, and hornets last year. So, I mean, when these (laughs) athletes are saying these panic inducing things to these gigantic audiences, my main reaction is they have a right to do that. But uh, unlike, you know, brother clay, they don't necessarily know what they're talking about. This is true for athletes on both sides. By the way, I remember when I think it was Kurt Schilling oh,
2: either right.
4: almost got fired or did get fired from ESPN because he was posting transgender bathroom, bathroom memes and talking mm-hmm. and giving these detailed opinions on women's anatomy, some of which seem to be a little off from from Big Kurt. But I mean, it, it, there's no Kurt Schilling's not an OBGYN. Like there's there's no there's no reason to think this guy knows anything more than your buddies that you ball with. That's well, my that's takeaway a- on athletes. That's thing.
2: completely true, but the difference is the conservative who does it always gets fired. <laughs> and the leftist <laughs> rarely gets All right, fired. fair enough. You have to come back, because I want to talk about your article on white fragility. But, um, you know, I don't have another segment, so if you're really bored or you're really having fun, we can just roll into the last two minutes. <laughs> I'm,
4: I'm fine. I can, I can keep
2: talking. Here okay, okay, we'll be back in a moment. Will Riley on the Liberty Hour. You, uh, Charles is here. Uh, come on right back. AM 560, The Answer.
0: is the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on A. 560 The Answer.
2: Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here with Professor Riley, Kentucky State University Poli Sci professor. Got a minute and a half here, but I want to throw this last question out to you. Do you see a difference between... The chaos that's going on all over the country. So there's New York, there's Chicago, Portland, Seattle. Is it all the same? Is it a difference? Cause I know the left likes to draw a distinction. I'm, I'm not sure I want to.
4: Well, I think that it's extremely predictable where you're going to see this violence. And I, I, do, I am one of those people that distinguishes violence from peaceful protests. Like, I don't think there's a ton of cops out there murdering African American or working class white men or whatever. But if you think there are, you can march around with a sign. But when it comes to actual riots, burning churches, this kind of crazy stuff, all of the major riots have happened in cities with a Democratic or Socialist mayor, um, you know, generally entrenched one party rule. And all of them but Atlanta seem to have happened in states where that's also true at the gubernatorial level. So there's no one who's going to, you know, put the boot down and say this has to stop or I'll stop it. Uh, so generally what you see is and it's not, it's not all Democrats. You're not seeing this in Bullocks, Montana, but where you have a left wing Democratic mayor. Um, You have a police force that's been defunded, that's already been cut a little bit. You have a Democratic governor overseeing that mayor. And now you have a lot of angry men out of work because of COVID. That's where you're going to see some fires.
2: Right. Now, I agree with that's the reason why it it, kind of pops off and why it's allowed to to continue. But I mean, from the standpoint of what the the left likes to try, try to say is there's BLM and then there's Antifa. And there's two Oh, different... yeah,
4: there, there's definitely a distinction between BLM and Antifa. This is, this is one, by the way, that I think as a black guy is important, because we often hear about crime in the black community. There's a fair amount of crime in the black community. We need to deal with that as black men. But Antifa is a mostly white, very often criminal organization. So, so B- I think BLM. when you look at a lot of these cities like Portland, Kenosha, a lot of these fighters that are traveling from out of town to fight are Caucasian guys that are followers, at least on Facebook or Twitter, of one of the major Antifa pages. So, yeah, I think that that is an issue. If radicals, white or black, are going to marches and then starting giant fights that pull in the cops and that minority of peaceful marchers, that's a big issue. That's totally different from just here I am with my side.
2: He is Will Riley, Kentucky State University poli sci professor, author of Taboo and Hate Crime Hoax. Thank you for joining us on the Liberty Hour. Back in a moment.
5: But wait!
0: Liberty in America is under assault. We no longer live in a reality that includes property rights. We're no longer the kings of our own castle. We no longer enjoy the true benefits of capitalism. Instead, we're negotiating our rights with our own government. This isn't how our country was founded. These aren't the ideas of our founders. It's time to seize back our country. This is the Liberty Hour, where these important issues will be discussed for the sake of America's future. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Constitution in the other, here's your host, Sean Thompson.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Liberty Hour. I'm Sean Thompson
1: maybe not Uh, yeah i don't don't think think so no okay no you're Uh, way too rational Uh, (laughs) uh, you don't look like an arthur conan doyle character
2: Uh, and that's about it i I doubt you're wearing pink shorts but no i don't want to i don't want to prejudge well i am charles love sitting in for uh sean for now today maybe maybe next sunday and uh, we're going to do our. Well, I hope segment. so
1: because we need a host. <laughs> and Sean won't be he back. He ain't going to be here, right? <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> and we want to do our segment with our uh, recurring guest, part it's of the show. Esteemed recurring esteemed,
1: guest. Esteemed,
2: yes. Economic development and municipal government expert, and our own frustrated Democrat, Patrick Brutus. Welcome to the Liberty Hour.
6: Hey. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Good evening, Charles. Hey, Macbeth. I, I like that title, Charles. Recurring guest. You like that? Like I'm making a yeah. I feel like I'm on the episode of Love Boat. Um,
1: well,
2: yeah, yeah. You like uh?
1: There's something to exp- aspire to. <laughs> right. I have got a Love a Boat guess. cameo in 2020.
2: There you go.
6: That's it. That's
2: so, it. so That's what's new things. and exciting?
6: What's going on in Chicago this week? We have a bunch of headlines. Um, top. The EPS official was charged with lying to the FBI about a $1 billion custodial contract. Oh, uh, did, the did, Illinois coroner, yeah.
2: Well, I let's imagine. go with that. So so you got a billion uh, dollars. They lied about the contract. So they lied about the who the contract went to or how much the contract was or that it was a cousin. Uh, is this Triple B? What's going on?
6: So it's not Triple B. It <laughs> does date back to 2016. She's 2016, out, right? Though. She's been, yeah, she's, oh, yeah, she's on home home confinement or whatever. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. she's uh, finishing up her sentence. Mm -hmm. Uh, This dates back to 2016. There's a contract, you know, janitorial services custodial contract that was worth an amazing $1 billion. Mm -hmm.
2: Right. That's a lot of clean schools.
6: That's a lot of, you know.
2: Those schools can open for COVID. That was pre-COVID. They knew COVID was coming. Exactly.
6: You know, I'm saying, like, with that kind of money being spent on cleaning the schools, we should have no problems. We should have, like... The or oh, cool oh, they're cleaning
2: school. the schools and teaching.
6: <laughs> okay. <laughs> while teaching. while <laughs> teaching, Right. Know? And just like uh, uh, my big fat Greek wedding, Windex.
2: Yeah, um, put, put that on everything.
6: Yeah, so apparently there was a CPS official that gave insider information for the bid to an individual, B, who worked for company A. So, you know, this is probably... Uh, you know, more of the same of the insider game that happens in, you know, Chicago. Oh, so the uh, first group was a front group for the second group. Uh, Individual B was a lobbyist, I believe, and Mm -hmm. he was working for company A, and they got the inside information to secure the bid. And so this guy lied about it, like he didn't know anything. He told the FBI that he didn't know individual B. And so it's now being, you know, unraveled three years later, four years later. But, you know, it's always good when these kinds of investigations come to light to, to highlight the nefarious activities and the undercover games that go on in Chicago regarding contracts. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you always seem to wonder how the same big boys, and I'm sure this was a big boy, they wouldn't give a billion dollars to you or I to clean the schools. And so, you know, these guys, they continue to have the, the skids greased for them. And it mm. becomes, you know, more and more the Chicago way, right? We've all heard that before.
2: Okay. Well, can I ask a question? Um, and, and if I promise not to go into detail, just ask you a very, very, very uh, macro general question? Sure. So, this is a contract problem. I guess it's different because the, the real problem is that they lied to the FBI. But th- th- there has to be an investigation to get to that point. So I'm wondering, every time these contract things come up, because the Triple B's issue was a contract issue, right?
6: Right, and hers was only $23 million. Yeah, but so, but, it issue, but it was a contract issue. It was a contract
2: issue, and my only question is, it's just real basic, don't get mad at me. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just saying, doesn't more than one person uh, see a contract? Oh, absolutely. Uh, does, absolutely. So 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 even if you're doing this thing, there's not a situation where you can just say, I'm going to give this guy a contract and tell everybody else in the room, don't worry about it. don't ask any questions, just rubber stamping and go through it, and nobody knows, right? Yeah. Okay, just ask yeah, a question. Totally no, no, true. don't say that. I wouldn't totally, want you to right. say anything yeah. else. I'm just asking. So someone else Absolutely. has to see the contract, right? That's true.
6: That's okay, true. just a second.
2: Okay, okay. No, that's, that's all. True. No, no. Okay, that's it. Um, you said you wanted to mention something about Illinois COVID numbers.
6: Yeah, so Illinois coronavirus continues to spike with about 12 straight days now with positivity increases, you know. Uh, the governor has recently announced a five million dollar campaign to market keeping your masks on and you know continued more so in the, the spread uh campaigning to Illinois residents.
2: Did he ever I heard people continue, were talking about that? Did he impose it though? You gotta wear it while you're chewing kind of deal.
6: Uh you know, pretty soon we're gonna be having to be wrapped in saran wrap all around, uh, you know, as a safety precaution. So Look, explain
2: I, this to know, me, though. How is it happening? Uh, because I know Trump caused all the COVID. I get that, and all the and all the Republican governors are stupid and they're backwards and they caused the COVID. Right. But we like, got all Democrats. And, and we, we, we're, we're hermetically sealed. So so we're banning people from traveling in. All run by Democrats. Everyone's taking it seriously. Let me, let me tell you. So so when you mentioned that, I looked up our numbers. So I think I looked in uh, Illinois. They said yesterday it was like 11,992 with, uh, eleven thousand nine hundred ninety-two with eleven deaths.
6: Yeah, the state of New out. York.
2: Right. State of New York it's bigger. Three thousand in oh yeah, the, you guys uh, were like thirty thousand or something. Yeah, and, yeah, it was three thousand in the state. Herald, and, 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 and yes. Cuomo's writing a book on it. <laughs> as long as Cuomo's he'll, be, he'll, the, he'll be, but he'll be a champion as long as he leaves out the sixty, uh, the six thousand people he killed in the nursing homes.
6: In the nursing home, are and the
1: words know, Medicare savings going to be in the title of that book? Because <laughs> yeah. that's the only yeah, thing I what, could. That's the only spin I can imagine. That's the
2: win, right? We won't have to spin on it. Now, see, that's morbid, Macbeth. You're welcome. True. And,
6: and, you're, and, and, and the previous guest you had on made a comment about how the Democrat cities are the ones that are burning. And, and it's just it's just part for the course right now that these cities and states that are being run exclusively by one government um, are the ones that are being mismanaged completely. And the ones, I think, where you're finding the most people in danger, right, whether it be physical harm or health harm. And, Did you hear? And there's no, go ahead. Hmm?
2: No, go ahead, finish. There's no way.
6: No, I'm just saying that. And there's, and there's nothing else you can say about it. It's, it's flat out plain and simple.
2: But talk about playing politics. Did you hear Jesse Jackson?
6: Yeah, he went to Kenosha this week. Uh, yeah, the and, little he little said, and
2: they asked him about Trump coming on Tuesday. And he said it is just going to be, he's coming to put on a show and a political commercial. And I thought, well, I don't like Jesse. What's but Jesse he doing? I, look, yeah. look, I said, Jesse ain't wrong. But wait a minute. Is, isn't that what every politician who goes there is doing? They're not going there to, to put on riot gear and stop it from happening. That's why you're all going. I mean, that's you know, why you're there.
6: How about the biggest show ever was when Obama went to Michigan and drank the water. Uh, not drank the water. So yeah, that was yeah, a big his, show, put too. It, put right? his
2: top lip in the water and then sprayed some, some Windex on it.
6: Yeah, I think they called that the Grand Rapids uh, Big Gulp. And, um, you know, it's just more theatrical uh, maneuvers, but the mayor, I believe, of Kenosha just also made a statement that I said, just heard "Please it. Do not come." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just heard it being your commercial break. So no, it, was, no, it, it said
2: it said that don't come because it his presence may hinder. I wrote it down, hinder the healing, because you know I'm all about logic, and I simply said, "What healing? Your city's literally yeah. on fire right now."
6: Yeah, yeah, the healing, amazing. amazing. All
2: right, crime, let's but, do it. What you got?
6: Okay, so far, our body count in Chicago this weekend so far is 38 shot and 10 dead. What do you got?
2: Uh, I I got a dozen yesterday. (laughs) I don't have that many. But I know you had a mass shooting. Uh, We don't call them that unless they're white school shooters, though. But a mass shooting. But we had two triple shootings. So there's a march today in uh, New York to to talk about the crime. And uh, the the big news in New York is some guy that got caught trying to rape a woman in broad daylight on the Upper East Side. Yeah, I saw that. And all the moving trucks. I saw that. And and all the moving trucks that are all over the place on the uh, upper east and west side of the city.
6: So before we go, I'll tell you one thing real quick about today's mass shooting. Early Sunday morning, mass shooting on 116th and Western at a pancake house, right? And So this is cop land. And for those of you listeners who are tuning in tonight, Chicago has a couple of cop land areas, right? One of them is far south in the Beverly Morgan Park Mm -hmm. area, and the others are up on the north side in Jefferson Park and Norwood Park on the north side, right? And you got a couple other pockets, but these two are the most synonymous cop land ever uh, locations. And so, to have a drive by shooting where multiple people got shot brazenly on the hundred and sixteenth and Western—that's the commercial district. Mm-hmm. This is more of a sign that the crime in Chicago really now is out of control. It has no where limits. before you wouldn't think about ha- seeing those kinds of um, you know uh, in- uh, um, incidents in areas where it's heavy cop, right?
2: Heavy mm-hmm. police. I and mean, you got to add COVID there. to the mix. Yeah. Because if it weren't for it COVID, COVID, everybody wouldn't be outside.
6: That's true. It weren't for COVID. COVID is the one thing that started all this, right?
2: So, well, there's my theme song. With that, I, oh, you got Marvin Gaye, though. That's a good thing, so. Well, hey. thanks, Patrick, for bringing us back and bringing me closer to Chicago Macbeth's there. And uh, we look forward to hearing you next week.
6: On the Tail Two Cities Report.
2: <laughs> there you go.
6: Coming
0: up, All right. we'll talk I'll see you about. Next week, Charles. Thanks,
2: Patrick. You have a good one. Coming up, we'll talk about uh, the voting. This is
0: the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on af Five Sixty, The Answer.
2: Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Welcome back to the Liberty Everybody Hour. I am Charles Love and Patrick. It's and it's I stopped abruptly, so I didn't get a chance to have him say what I wanted him to say. At the end of the segment, I wanted him to say it so I wouldn't have to say it, but I, you know, so it doesn't sound like, you know, I'm bragging about something I'm doing, but we have this podcast, I guess, for lack of a better term that we're doing, it's called The Black Table, and in it, Patrick's part of it. Sounds racist. It is racist, that's the whole point of it, and there's five (laughs) black men. All from, uh, different political spectrums. You got the Democrat, you got the Republican, you got the Independent, you got the Adels brother and Patrick, the frustrated Democrat. And we talk about all kind of things. And we're, we're moderated by Kay Winding, who is a, uh, a, also a black woman. So it's six black people, five black men, the black table. That's why it's the black table. No whites allowed. I'm mean, kidding. But, um, yeah. And it, and we do that on Thursday evenings. And we did one last week, and I was going to let him talk about it. That's very cool. Talk about the fun he had. And uh, it it did pretty well, considering we did our first show, and we were up against Trump speaking. So uh,
1: Yeah, that can be, yeah.
2: Yeah. Most people watched it later. I mean, you can't watch it. We're on Facebook. Look up Facebook, the black table. So um, that's what I wanted him to say at the end. So everybody check it out. There you go. If you don't get enough of me just on Sunday, there's more of me, but it's only one-fifth of me but really one-sixth of me, but you get what I'm saying. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, recently I saw this article. It was, uh, what's keeping the silent majority silent? And I thought that was interesting. And, you know, we everyone knows the silent majority, and we're talking about how it's deepened now because it's so people are afraid to speak and that kind of thing. And it had a couple interesting things to say, so I wanted to uh, bring on the author, and like, you know, when you're recording uh, doing a, show, a live show on Sunday, some people can't do Sunday, so I just invite them to record. So I'm um, going to play that for you here. The article was written by Emily Baer. She is the Director of Communication at American Majority. She holds degrees in both political science science, not silence, political science, and American Studies. And you can follow her on Twitter at Emily underscore Baer, B-A-E-R. And this is Emily. Welcome to the Liberty Hour.
7: Thank you for having me.
2: So, as I mentioned, I saw your article at American Greatness What's Keeping the Silent Majority Silent. And I guess I want to start off just by having you tell me about the piece and what prompted you to write it.
7: Of course. So, when I started writing this piece, I really wanted to shed some light on potential inaccuracies um, we've been seeing in the polls lately. These polls that we've been seeing have really reminded me of what I saw firsthand in 2016. Um, at the time, I was working for a polling center in college. It's a very enviable task that I'm sure everyone would love to be doing. I remember making many calls to people who were really reluctant to share who they wanted to vote for with me, and I was really surprised by that. Um, because I thought at that point, this was about, around um, September or October, I would have thought most people would have decided who they wanted to vote for by then. These people did not want to talk about this at all. They, These people wouldn't want to talk about who they were going to vote for to their families or coworkers, let alone to a complete stranger. And it became really apparent to me that many of these people had actually made up their minds. They just weren't going to be forthcoming with me. So I really wanted to explore how that's been very true again in 2020 as it was in 2016.
2: Right. And it's interesting because like now, in 2016, that was supposed to be such a big election. It was supposed to be so polarizing. Everybody was, you know, Tearing at each other and not going to Thanksgiving dinners and all that stuff. So you think that everybody would be uh, so open and, and about who they wanted to vote for. They'd be running to tell you about that. So it's interesting you had that experience. So in that, how pervasive do you think that is? So would you say that today you think that that is happening more than it was happening in 2016?
7: Absolutely. I think we were a pretty divisive country in 2016. And I think we've become even more so in 2020. I think that as we get closer to election day, we're going to see more and more people who have already made up their mind who they're going to vote for come election day, but are not willing to share that with pollsters. And I think there's a lot of different reasons for that, too. I think people have really good reasons for not wanting to share that with pollsters.
2: We know what those are. <laughs> you mentioned some of those in, the, in your article as well. But I, I want to ask you this. So I have a take on this. You talk about undecided voters, but I have a similar view on independence. I say that every time they do these polls, they say thirty five, forty percent. It keeps getting higher. Um, classify themselves as independent. And personally, I don't really believe they're independents. I think that they are disgruntled Democrats or disgruntled Republicans or Republicans who are uh, afraid to say so because of obviously what's going on in the culture. But I find it hard to believe that 40 percent of the people not just don't know which candidate they're going to vote for. They don't even know I, what their ideology is. And I find it hard to believe. What do you think of that?
7: Absolutely. I think a lot of people would say that they're an independent, but I think it's very hard to be a true independent. I think we all have our policy leanings one way to another, whether that's more conservative or more liberal. And most of us maybe don't even find ourselves fully entrenched in one actual party or the other, in the organization of the party, I mean, as a Republican or a Democrat. So more people would be more willing and more comfortable with aligning themselves as an independent, because then you don't have that label of the party to label yourself and your views as one thing or the other, especially if you have views that vary along political lines.
2: Right. So the other thing I find interesting about this is that it's largely one-sided. So you mentioned some of the reasons, like we talked about before, um, specifically you didn't go into specific details you just talk about people being concerned about the way they're being treated and the way uh conservatives are treated but we're talking about people being doxxed and companies being boycotted just for donating to something uh people being fired physical attacks and things of that nature so i want to know why do you think it's so one-sided and why hasn't the other side figured figured it out because i would say that It seems that they're giving they're not helping themselves. So whatever the reasons are, if you're a candidate and you're the party and you're the Democrat Party trying to help your candidates win, polling is important if it's accurate. So how are you helping or hurting them by giving them these poll numbers, knowing that they're so skewed?
7: Right. Well, I actually came across a study while I was doing my research from the Cato Institute that came out a few weeks ago. And it said that 62% of Americans, not just one party or the other, but 62 Americans say that they have political views that they're afraid to share. And I do agree with you that it does seem that it is more one-sided for people's um, fears that they are going to be assaulted or they're going to be hazed in some way, either physically or verbally, online or in person, because of the political views that they hold. And I think, too, that it also is impacted by the fact that a lot of conservatives are more quiet about their views in general. And when they do speak up and they do share what they really believe, then they are um ridiculed or harassed like we're talking about in these in the study and in the article that i wrote and it's really very disturbing that we live in a country now that doesn't seem to encourage people to share their beliefs like we once did
2: true i want you to kind of look into your crystal ball now i know you don't know for sure but i want to know what you think the future of polling is Because, like I said before, it's extremely beneficial and important to candidates to know, you know, kind of put their fingers on the pulse. It doesn't help if it's inaccurate. But, you know, people are innovative. They'll come up with ways to figure some things out. Uh, What do you think uh, is going to happen on the polling front?
7: You know, that's a good question. You know, there was once a day where we could have had a civil debate of ideas, You know, where we could have argued with logic and reason instead of resorting to this cancel culture that you see now or using your fists against one another, although that's probably not social distancing anymore. But um, we really all benefit from differences of opinion. And frankly, we should all want to live in a country that supports and encourages these opposing viewpoints. And I think polling can really help with that. It can show where a sample of Americans fall on different political ideas and even things that aren't political. It's really interesting interesting to read these polls, especially like the statistic that I shared that 62% of people are afraid to share their political views. That's fascinating information. And I think that pollsters in general should strive to see both sides of the argument and present both sides of the argument rather than just sharing the data that aligns with whatever uh, lack of nonpartisan views that they hold as an organization. I think if the organizations that are running these polls are independent, then we can see more information that's going to be helpful to voters in the future.
2: All right, thanks. Uh, Do you want to leave us with any final thoughts?
7: Yes, just one thing. Well, there's no doubt in my mind that we live in a great country. We all know that, but that country is only great so long as we have the ability and the freedom to share our beliefs without fear of retribution.
2: Listen to the Liberty Hour Name AM in The Answer. Now, back to the Liberty Hour.
0: Call Sean now at 312-642-5600.
1: Don't call Sean. Don't even call Charles, because I'm neither of those people. This is producer Macbeth. We're having a few technical difficulties trying to reconnect to Charles there in New York. Um, but he had sent me something a little bit earlier, so I'm going to go ahead with this. Uh, This is audio from a Tennessee Democratic state rep. And yes, I said Democratic state rep, which might surprise you when you hear what he has to say. This guy's name is Representative John J. DeBerry Jr. And uh, he sounds a lot like my dad.
5: I rise because I continue to hear references to what I saw in growing up in this country and growing up in the state of Tennessee as I walked. Uh, with my father and work, work with my father here in the state of Tennessee, in Memphis, Tennessee, and across this state and across this country, uh, in the middle of what has been referenced to on several occasions the civil rights movement. And, you know, people continue to refer to this, but I saw it. I saw men and women stand with courage and integrity and class, and they changed the world. They changed the world. Because what the world could see in them was the lie that was being told about them. I am one of those individuals who walked in back doors because the law said I had to. I'm one of those individuals who rode on the back of the bus on the back seats that were not cushioned because the law said I had to. I went to the water and drank colored water because the law said I had to. I went to a school where everybody looked like me and the country was divided and segregated because the law said that I had to. So all of these things we continue to refer to are the things that me and my generation lived. We saw it for ourselves, we're not reading it in the history books, but we lived it. I went with my father when he and our neighbor got one of those I am a man signs And went downtown Memphis and watched him stand there proudly with Dr. King and other men and women, black and white, who had enough courage to stand up against what was wrong. And the way they did it, they had on their suits, their shirts, their ties... Hats. And if it was cold, their overcoats, they locked arms, and they marched peacefully. And Dr. King stood for that which was peaceful. Because the world took a look at what was happening in Memphis, in Chicago, in Detroit, in Washington, D.C., and all over this country. We changed the entire world. And we changed it because those men and women had enough guts, integrity, Enough citizenship and love of country because my father was a Korean War era soldier as many of those other men and women were. They didn't beg for anything. They didn't beg for citizenship. They demanded it because they were American citizens who paid taxes, who raised children, who paid house notes and rent and did everything they were supposed to do. So that they could demand from this country and its constitution those things that they were supposed to have. How did they do it? They did it by standing like men and women of integrity and class and common sense and values. When the riot started and folks started burning stuff down, that's when my father took my arm and we left. We left because that was not what we were there for. That was not what Dr. King was there for. That was not what others who are famous in the civil rights days were there for. This was not peaceful. It was not part of our movement, and it only hurt everything. My family raised money and sent my dad to Washington for that march. But that man stood there and said that he wanted his children, Judge by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And all we do in America right now is talk about color. Every issue, every issue is about race, it's about color. Instead of us sitting down at the table like men and women of common sense and common justice, and understanding that our enemies are looking with a greedy vigilance, Upon us as we tear ourselves apart eternally. They have been watching us for 50 years, preparing step by step by step by step for us to kill ourselves. And I may not be back here next year. And I'm sure everything I say is going to be misconstrued and misquoted and used against me in November. Fine. Fine, because I stand for my father's legacy. I stand for the men and women who acted like they had some sense and some courage and changed this country by being men and women who stood for something. If we don't start standing for something... Don't you know that the people who are looking at what's happening in Washington, in Detroit, in Portland, in Seattle, they're getting emboldened because we act like a bunch of punks, too frightened to stand up and protect our own stuff. You tell me that somebody got the right to tear down property that Tennessee taxpayers paid for? That American taxpayers paid for it and somebody has the right to destroy it, deface it, and tear it down? What kind of people have we become? That we can't protect our own stuff. Peaceful protest ends peacefully. Anarchy ends in chaos. And what we see happening right now Any of us with any common sense, any common sense whatsoever, know that what we see is not peaceful. So we can continue to fool ourselves and mix with words and use rhetoric and public relations in order to frost this stuff over and put a nice picture on what we see that is frightening. Frightening? I have a nephew who is a policeman talked about getting attacked the other night. You're telling me that somebody has the right to throw feces and urine in the face of those that we as taxpayers pay to protect us and that's okay? What has happened to us? If we don't get this right right now, I've got grandchildren I don't want to see the country we're going to have five, ten, fifteen, twenty years from now. if we don't start acting like we got some guts right now, brethren, sister and, friends, colleagues, right now that is amazing, isn't it I mean that's why
2: I mean you don't you don't normally play a clip that long, but that's the reason why you were like you want me to cut it I'm like, no, leave that man alone. And I'm let him
1: glad go. I kept it whole because I was not in contact with you there for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah I'm, but back you're back. Yeah, yeah, I'm back again. Yeah, I'm back. How did this segment even start?
1: Uh, with me saying that you weren't there oh. <laughs> and that we were going to play some audio. I
2: thought you were going to be slick and just started playing with the audio. And just no, come, no. Like we came well, back from commercial with this
1: I grand mean, speech. You could do something like that if it's 30 seconds or so, but if it's, <laughs> if it's uh, what was that one, six minutes and yeah, 54 minutes. seconds, yeah, that's a little bit longer than you want to do that too. But, but it, it's good you know, to have that, that sort of thing out there i mean that, that that's something out. you don't hear
2: yeah not at all i mean and that's a democrat well formerly democrat well not yeah. because of the speech but they, he, he, they, uh, they did kick him out of the party but uh and he's not wrong no and he's not pandering to right-wingers yet i saw comments on the post and people were um pretty upset they were saying stuff like obviously he didn't get it Now, keep in mind keep this in context this is a man who's old enough to remember segregated everything and he has young people many of them white telling him he didn't get it yeah. because Hannah Nicole Jones told me and this person told me that property doesn't matter and it, they, they focused on the part about the statues or whatever saying or just tearing things down in general well, saying oh UK what you mean so property matters and he's not from Massachusetts he's from Tennessee he's
1: from Tennessee it's, it's it, this is a place that you know all of the evils that that you know, Leftists say now that they're trying to fight, which is really actually trying to enforce collectivism, but whatever. Right. All of these evils are, were perfectly displayed in states like Tennessee. Mm-hmm. This is a guy with a front row seat to the actual history. Well, he that don't you're know. Because he ain't woke. That's the problem. Oh, no. He's worried about
2: property. Property's not important.
1: Well, it's, it's, no, it only it, supports your life and determines really your important. well-being.
2: Yeah. Well, then give me your, prove it's not important and give me yours. Right. And they won't. But yeah, he's. I mean, where is he wrong? I mean, you get people who are mad, and people say this and feelings. This, and he knew it. He's like, I might not be. Here. You might I, try to vote I me out. I can tell you
1: where he's wrong. Is at the end where he says it's, it. Now is the time to stand up. That's not right. Five, seven <laughs> years ago is the time that we That's needed true. to stand up. I That's think true. we're probably point past the point of
2: no return, at least on a lot of the social stuff. Well, yeah, I didn't get. You know, we we went through some stuff with uh, when when I was talking to Will, and I wanted to get to that. My thing is. I don't think this stops until you hit the, it's a pendulum, and it'll swing back, but it's got to hit the apex. And Have we yet is the question.
1: It, <sighs> I, I think at the apex, there's going to be some sort of break. I, I think there's not, not break is in a separation. The break is in you're hitting the breaks, right? I, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be the next thing, right? The next crisis, the next pandering
2: issue, the next, so you're saying Vogue. something's going to be so big that we don't pay attention to this. No,
1: I'm just saying that you don't push the pendulum that far. Don't forget that that leftists are extremely well organized. We, we, we should envy that. Um, and not... I don't know if we should emulate it, but we should definitely envy that. And, and so they're going to be ready. Wow, you're like a robot. Do that again. That was cool. You sound like a robot. I think we're having another sound connection. Like a robot. You do to me. Um, sounds That's like, like it. you're talking I through a fan. I like a robot to them. Oof. You're sounding like a robot to them, but that's okay because we're, we're we can we can break at some point soon, but yeah the, you just don't have um you know those old school voices like this guy anymore you, you just don't
2: you just came back.
1: I mean, maybe you do in the household and you're but you don't in the media well. yeah we're we are having a few connection issues here and there. Uh, we are doing our best. We're going to go ahead and head out to break. You are listening to the Liberty Hour, but despite the fact that we can't hear Charles, you are definitely listening to the Liberty Hour here on AM560. The answer will be right back in a little bit, hopefully with Charles Love. See you in a minute. This is the
0: Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on AM560. The answer.
1: Again, neither Charles Love nor Sean Thompson. I am George Hoffman, less than affectionately known as Macbeth. Um, <laughs> and I'm still trying to connect with Charles here. It, it's saying I'm connected. I'm not hearing anything from him. But I'm trying, to, uh, I'm trying to pull about five minutes of radio out of someplace dark. And so when I think of someplace dark and thoughts and broodiness, I think of Dave Lombardo. Dave's the host of the next show up here on Target Radio. And so since I had zero prepared for this five minutes and I still don't have a host, how are you, Dave?
0: Well, I didn't know I was the dark knight. I, 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 up until then, I was fine.
1: You might be the whitest dark knight in history. It's
0: entirely possible. Um, yeah. Well, the good, the good is yet to come in the next hour.
1: Well, that's according to you, but oh. that's okay. Um yeah, I figured you might just uh want to tell us what's coming up here on, on Target Radio.
6: No, I'm not going to tell you.
1: Oh, okay. Well, good night, Dave. <laughs> I just like watching you squirm. Nice. I just like to watch you squirm. Oh wait, I'm seeing levels. Charles, <laughs> are you back with us? I am here. Hello guy.
2: Ah, well now ah. you can hear me. Well now I can hear you. Now that I miss my floor I was like, I'm here.
1: Oh yeah, it was not coming through to us. That's
2: not nice, Dave saying the best is yet to come. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do I miss my plug now, or can I still get a plug in?
1: Uh, Well, you've got the entire next hour. You know, yeah. Don't forget to listen on Target Radio. It's coming up in uh, pretty much exactly ten minutes. Is when it starts. They stream live on YouTube and Facebook. And uh, we we
0: got to stay connected. We have a very pithy subject tonight. Oh, Uh, we have Dave. We have Dave Shostakus on, who is a constitutional lawyer, and we're going to talk about. Might be a friend of Charles.
2: He is. Tell Dave I said hello. I will. I didn't know that,
0: but yeah, he's coming up, and uh, we're going to talk about the interesting parts, which I am sure you are aware of of the Constitution that uh, um, the founding fathers are tearing down statues and doing all that, and uh, we're going to talk about the, the reality of how it came about.
1: All right, that's coming up on the next hour, which is on Target Radio. Charles, with the last few minutes that we have left. I'm back. Assuming just, we can well, still hear you in the few minutes. Well, oh, I
2: mean, right. I, I'm a whole, all we got to do is squeeze out a couple minutes, right? You know how I leave you. We talked to, to uh, Rebecca earlier about schools and reopening and that kind of they thing. And and the interesting thing here is New York. So New York is supposed to reopen, right? Like I said to her, she, one of the big cities, I said, we're still going to do it. And... The schools are getting in order, and the governor said he wants to fix things, and the unions are demanding all these things. And one of the concerns was ventilation. Everyone's worried about the ventilation systems in the school.
1: I know a little something about that.
2: But here's the funny thing. So that's what they were concerned about, and they demanded that we we invest some money into making sure everything's safe. Today in the New York Post, de Blasio withholds $12 million meant for school upgrades to cover his COVID deficit.
1: Wow, it must have cost a lot of money to kill all those seniors.
2: <laughs> that was Cuomo. Yeah. Cuomo killed the seniors, not de Blasio.
1: Ah, uh, complicity. Uh, he was out there defending him every day. He's telling people <laughs> they can't go to church, but telling them they can. Pro, Come on. That's but one of the, the same. Best part.
2: So he's going to forego that, 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 that uh, extra safety measure because he needs that $12 uh, million to, to fix the budget, right? I mean, the deficit, budget right. deficit. How much is the budget deficit? Guess.
1: Mm, New York City... Covid's been pretty rough. Wait, I'm going to think say. Of a number and multiply by two. I'm going to say seventy million.
2: Five billion. Oh, I was close. <laughs> so he needs that twelve million. I was twelve percent? Yeah. For, for that five billion dollars.
1: That's brutal. I. I so <laughs> look at you. You're like I don't even know what's. What, what I'm trying to figure out is how much of a bucket um, that that is for for how, what size of a drop. You know what I mean? So it's like five billion dollars. I'll,
2: I'll summarize. Oh it, my goodness. I don't think you'll feel the water.
1: <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> you still it would be
2: like this is dry. It depends putting- on
1: at what point it gets dumped on your head. I think is how that works because once once that that deficit you know festers for a while and becomes debt, and then you're paying interest on it and everything else, it's just it's going to come down to your grandkids. It's the same old story every time. It's New York, Chicago. Whatever you wanna call it, state of California. It it's it's always the same.
2: Yeah. So that's our wonderful government of the day. I hope you enjoyed. I want to thank Rebecca and Will and Patrick and 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 the real host of the show, Macbeth, for taking over when I Apparently. was in my Dark World again. <laughs> and the technical difficulties. Happy we'll deal with it. But uh hopefully you enjoyed the show and uh thank you and tune in next week where you'll hear me for the whole time
1: we do you've got 40 seconds left anything you want to put out there anywhere you're going to be this week
2: uh all over the place i'm doing doing some show tomorrow i can't even remember all the things don't forget the black table on thursday don't know what the topics are but it's going to be cool and where uh, can people find that uh you, but youtube this thursday but uh facebook for sure the black the table, black the table facebook,
1: yep. facebook youtube check
2: it out live and then uh, share it out and uh yeah nice well Thank have a good week it, sir man. you too have a good one go
1: home i have to go home i have to go home
2: i have to go home the
1: show is
0: over